You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Major developments today in a case of domestic terrorism that turned into anything but. The case against the two suspects has failed spectacularly. John Nuttall and Amanda Carodi remain free tonight after an appeals court ruling that says police actions were a travesty of justice. Romina Dea has the details and an exclusive interview with Nuttall's mother. I went, woohoo! I was so excited. Maureen Smith's heart pounding when the verdict came down. Smith's son, John Nuttall, and his wife, Amanda Carodi, remain free. He was uh, kind of crying and was mad and happy and freaked out and really scared still. We're going to try and shoot and kill as many of them as we can before we ourselves are shot and killed. Nuttall and Karodi had been accused of planting pressure cooker bombs at the B.C. legislature on Canada Day 2013. If you have a stone, throw it. If you have a bomb, drop it. In 2015, a jury found the couple guilty of terrorism-related charges, including conspiracy to commit murder. But the convictions were put on hold. Madam Justice Bruce ruling Nuttall and Karodi were entrapped by police. That decision now upheld by B.C.'s Court of Appeal. And the police, in manufacturing this crime, uh, crossed a line that the courts aren't going to allow in future. Madam Justice Bennett said the police were right to start their investigation and certainly had reasonable suspicion the two might commit a crime. But she agreed with the trial judge that the overall conduct of the investigation was a travesty of justice. Madam Justice Bennett wrote the police pushed and pushed and pushed the two defendants to come up with a workable plan. The police did everything necessary to facilitate the plan. The misconduct of the police in this case far outweighed their violation of the concepts of fairness and justice. Sean has the target with a black duffel bag. While the appeal court found the trial judge erred, the result is no different. The charges have been stayed. John and Amanda remain on bail. Their next court appearance is in January. And I am really concerned about John and Anna because they have such severe post-traumatic stress. Nuttall's mother hoping this is the end of it so her family can move on. Crown has 60 days to file for appeal. Romina Dea, Global News. A vicious attack in Mission has left a man in hospital. Police are looking for two masked suspects who stabbed the victim a number of times. It happened around 11 last night on 14th Avenue near Cedar Street. Investigators believe it is a targeted attack. The victim is known to police. They're now trying to determine a motive and want to speak with anyone who may have information. And a woman in her 20s is in hospital with life-threatening injuries tonight. She was walking along Hornby Drive, just parallel to Highway 99 in Delta, when she was struck. It happened around 6.30 this morning. The driver stayed at the scene. Well, the city of Surrey approved its controversial budget today, and it's what's not in it that's causing frustration. After campaigning on public safety initiatives like adding desperately needed officers and building community centers to keep kids out of gangs, funding for those ideas has been delayed. John Juan now on the fractured vote that's left the community concerned for its safety. As bullets shot through the air in Surrey, boom, boom, boom. 
kill all the little kids, all the big kids. There were cries for more police boots on the ground. Having that extra security would help calm people down. The promise of public safety, a key platform in the last municipal election. I don't go out at night. <laughs> you know, I'm always very careful about where I go. But Surrey City Council has approved a budget without any new law enforcement. As long as it's the RCMP, that's lacing up. In this budget, um, we're going forward um, um, with um, no new additions in the next 12 months. A test period of sorts, but in this case, people's lives might be on the line. The community is going to grow and the gangs are going to get worse. Mayor McCallum was asked if he would reverse the decision if it was found public safety was put at risk. It's the police chief, or in our case, the officer in charge. That's his decision. But that officer in charge writes, as I have stated before, the Surrey RCMP could use a significant increase in police in order to keep pace with the city's growth and to meet legitimate public expectations. He has also said that he feels comfortable that the um, he'll be able to make Surrey or keep Surrey safe. Now a vote that caught many by surprise was from the former spokesperson for for the Newton Community Association, now Surrey Councillor Doug Elford, who's always been one of the most vocal for more boots on the ground. We want to see boots on the ground, we want to see action. We'll be needing more police as the community continues to grow. I want to see boots on the ground, I've said this many times. But Elford voted with the mayor against any additional RCMP officers. I think that that is horrible, I think he's two-faced. I'm wondering if he's just been backed into a corner with the mayor. When Global News tried to get Elford to explain his decision. No, he's just unfortunately in meetings today. The message to the public is that this newest budget is a promise kept. A hard sell for those who yet to feel safe in Surrey. John Hua, Global News. A stunning admission from the COO of London Drugs today. His company is considering moving its headquarters out of Richmond and maybe even out of B.C. The reason is this, the delay in solving one of the province's worst bottlenecks at the Massey Tunnel. Aaron MacArthur now on why the company is losing its patience. By 1 p.m. Wednesday, traffic on Highway 99 southbound already backed up to Blundell Road. With no hope of a resolution before 2020, businesses are seriously considering moving. 888 people work at London Drugs corporate headquarters. The CEO exploring all options to relocate. Costs of trying to continue to work with the inefficiency of having trucks and employees delayed. Uh, competition from wonderful employees is just causing us to rethink uh, and, and we've lost our ability to continue to wait. On Monday, when the NDP announced further study for a new crossing, there was anger from some in the business community, dismay from others. The Richmond Chamber of Commerce says it is the number one issue affecting its members. 87% of our members all want a bridge. And, you know, it, it's pretty clear that everyone thinks this is a huge bottleneck that needs to be fixed. There are 14,000 businesses in Richmond and thousands more in Delta. According to the B.C. Liberals, anyone trying to get through the tunnel is feeling the pinch. I got one plumbing company. They send in two plumbers whenever they have a job south of the Fraser. You know why? Just so they can use the HOV lane. London Drug's preference is to stay in Richmond, but without significant upgrades to the Massey Crossing, there may be no choice. And it's not just a move maybe across town. It could be right out of the province. We've been in Alberta since 1970, and we have a very large presence there. And we do know the cost of doing business there is quite a bit lower. No timeline has been given for the potential move.
Aaron MacArthur, Global News. There could be fewer presents under the tree for somebody this year, and here's why. Fire destroyed a UPS truck last night on the Trans-Canada Highway about 30 kilometers south of Revelstoke. The truck, the trailer, and all of the parcels it was carrying were destroyed. The driver from Alberta reported seeing sparks coming from under the dash prior to the flames erupting. He escaped with only minor injuries. It's been almost a record-breaking year for fatal fires in Vancouver. Today, Fire and Rescue Service has launched a new campaign aimed at saving lives, believing much of it comes down to one relatively cheap and simple addition to every home. Grace Key reports. 60% of fire deaths occur at night. Notable Vancouverites, including musician Biff Naked, are featured in a new video. It's the latest push from the Vancouver Fire Department to make sure you have a working fire alarm in your home. Smoke alarms have proven to save lives. Earlier this month, flames ripped through this Vancouver house on East 43rd Avenue at about 6 in the morning when everyone was asleep. It was a smoke alarm that woke up three tenants and they all managed to escape. I didn't even have time to grab my purse or my shoes. Back in October, an East Vancouver family was fast asleep when flames from a kitchen fire quickly spread throughout their home. Once again, it was a smoke alarm that went off, woke everyone up, and they safely escaped. We've had uh, two large house fires. We were able to uh, have smoke detectors found working in those homes, and eight people were able to exit those homes safely. So far, it's been a record-tying year with eight fire-related deaths in Vancouver. And just last week, a man died in hospital after crews discovered him unconscious in his suite. Between 2001 and 2018, there's been 62 fire-related deaths in Vancouver. In 60% of those cases, smoke detectors are either absent or not working. Most fatalities are from smoke inhalation and happen between 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. These are fatalities that happen because there's nothing to wake occupants up in the early stages of a fire, and they're overcome in their sleep with no chance of escape. Vancouver's fire bylaw also requires every existing home to have a smoke alarm. If you're still not convinced, this might change your mind. Through the city of Vancouver, you can book a free home safety check. A firefighter will go to your home, make suggestions on how to keep your family safe, and install a free smoke alarm. It's time to wake up, Vancouver. Grace Key, Global News. Right now, the West Coast residents are shocked at the extent of damage after a tornado touched down in a region where they're extremely rare. Port Orchard, Washington is only about 100 kilometers south of Victoria. And with another major storm about to hit our region, there is reason to expect more wind damage. Catherine Urquhart has the details. As many as 250 structures are damaged in Port Orchard, west of Seattle. Tuesday's tornado, the strongest one to strike Washington State since 1986. That's for real, for real. Oh my God, oh my God. The twister touched down at about 2 p.m. with wind speeds up to 210 kilometers an hour. It sounded like a, uh, a, a jet engine you know, in our backyard and I looked out the window and I saw the, the, the spiral coming at us. For five minutes, it stayed on the ground Estimated at 275 meters wide, the tornado continued across two kilometers. 
911 operators overwhelmed with a flood of calls. Kids have 911, what are you reporting? Yes, I just had two trees fall on top of my house and crush it. I have a major gas leak. The roof was ripped off this red house. Its owner and his family thankful they weren't home. Smashed out. Every window is smashed. Everywhere there are two by fours stuck in the walls. There are uh, There is a basketball hoop that was on one side of the cul-de-sac in my garage now. Nobody's hurt. It's just material things, and you know what? That can be replaced. Countless trees were uprooted and power lines toppled. Some were trapped inside buildings. She said, there's a tree down in my house, and my house was gone. And I was my main concern was for my dog. Incredibly, no one was killed. Miraculously, uh, we did not treat any major or severe injuries in this storm. Many people were forced to leave their homes. Two doors down from us. Uh, our neighbor's house was demolished and there was a gas leak, so our street was evacuated. The National Weather Service is rating the tornado as an EF2, calling it significant. Damage from the highly unusual twister still being tallied. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, no tornadoes in our forecast, but another storm is brewing for us. Meteorologist Christy Gordon has more on when it will hit. Christy? Thanks, Sophia. So this is a very tricky forecast. The low-pressure system is going to hit this south coast. We have good confidence. Most of the south coast will see winds, uh, strong winds, sometime tonight through tomorrow. But the exact timing and strength is very difficult to pin down. A slight shift in direction of the system, and the winds felt by a community could be drastically different. In general, we want people to be aware that starting early tomorrow morning, it's very likely some areas will see winds up to 60 kilometers an hour at times and exposed areas could see gusts to 80 kilometers an hour. This is a developing situation so make sure you tune in to Mark tomorrow morning for further details. All right thanks Christy we'll talk to you again in a bit. Residents of a small Okanagan town are divided over the handling of a recent issue with their tap water, which was unsafe to consume in any form for over a week. You know, the water woes were the subject of a public meeting today, which quickly reached a boiling point. Global Shelby Tom has more on what's at stake and why many locals are fuming. You're not that great. I'm sorry. A heated public meeting in Headley on Wednesday over the town's water woes. we are leaders in our town and we expect you to step up. On Monday, a do not consume water order issued by Interior Health was downgraded to a water quality advisory, which means it's now safe for most people. Significant levels of coliform bacteria and elevated levels of arsenic were discovered in the town's water supply on December 7th. Residents sprayed the Headley Improvement District with criticism, some claiming they weren't notified right away. Not telling the post office, not telling the country store and the restaurants. And, and, and it's horse crap. Timing and content of communications with residents has been poor. Concern for my health heightened. Others accuse the elected trustees of not providing enough clean water. Many left to fend for themselves. That is something that should be told to the people. Where can you go to get water? If people called me, I delivered bottled water free to their doorstep. Others questioned the HID's leadership when the man responsible for overseeing Headley's water system made this stunning revelation. I never stopped drinking water. I don't think it's a big deal whatsoever. <clears throat> I think everybody's just gone nuts. It's very disconcerting for me to have you sit there 
and say that the issues that we're facing regarding our water issues are ridiculous. At one point, the chair even threatened to resign in the face of backlash. All in favor? Before she was talked off the ledge by a colleague. As you would say, this isn't the place for that. The HID says water tolls paid by residents could go up to fund infrastructure upgrades to ensure a water emergency like this doesn't happen again. Shelby Tom, Global News. The Bay has pulled some controversial hats from the shelves at its Pacific Center store. Yes, the Make Canada Great Again hats somehow made it back out onto the floor over the weekend. They were first removed from stores back in October when many took to social media threatening to stop shopping at Hudson's Bay because of the decision. The hats, of course, reference U.S. President Donald Trump's 2016 campaign slogan. Hudson's Bay says their reappearance over the weekend was a mistake. Well, it turns out even bears like Christmas baking, even if it's frozen. That's right. These two bear cubs caught in a backyard in Nanaimo trying to break into an outdoor freezer. One of them managed to open it up and knock out two tins of Christmas yeah. cookies. But one of them looked up at me and then came up, up here onto the deck, stood up on its back legs, looked at me through the window, which terrified me and then it turned around went back down around the other side of the deck and let himself into my stand-up freezer so i'll send you well before they could so gobble can... them up the homeowner scared the bears away the conservation okay. service reminding everyone to ensure garbage compost and other food waste is properly secured and stored high stakes High seas rescue off Turkey in what looked like a zip line over massive waves. 16 crew members from a cargo ship that ran aground off the Black Sea coast were rescued in dramatic fashion. The crew brought to safety one by one with the help of a winch system extended from the shoreline. The Comoros flagship Natalia ran aground in rough seas en route from Russia to Istanbul. It's frightening. Mm -hmm. The U.S. president surprised a lot of people by tweeting a foreign policy shift today. The White House ordering a U.S. withdrawal of troops from Syria as Trump declared victory over ISIS in that country. As Richard Engel reports, the sudden decision caused confusion at the Pentagon and a major backlash in Congress. It's one of the most secretive and most successful military campaigns in modern history. The U.S.-led fight against ISIS in Syria. And tonight, the White House says it's over. Mission accomplished. President Trump tweeting, we have defeated ISIS in Syria, my only reason for being there. Pulling out of Syria was a campaign promise, something the president vowed to do earlier this year. We're knocking the hell out of ISIS. We'll be coming out of Syria like very soon. Let the other people take care of it now. U.S.-led forces have knocked the hell out of ISIS. U.S. officials say the group has lost 99% of its territory, with more than 60,000 fighters killed. So are the roughly 2,000 U.S. troops in Syria coming home very soon? It's unclear. The Pentagon today issued a statement saying the campaign against ISIS is not over, but is transitioning to a new phase, but gave no specifics. We were on the front lines in Syria last spring with U.S. and Kurdish troops after they took back the ISIS capital, Raqqa. This is the main square in the center of Raqqa today. ISIS used this place for public beheadings, even crucifixions. And U.S. commanders told us repeatedly, unless ISIS is completely defeated and that it is not yet, 
the group could return. It's something the president's allies are also warning about tonight. If Trump withdraws from Syria and they do come back, like I think they will, he'll be one of the reasons they came back. And then what happens to our partners, the Kurds? On our trip, their commander told us an American abandonment would be a betrayal. Toronto police are laying more charges in a sexual assault investigation that thrust a private school into the national spotlight. On today's date, five young persons turned themselves into police and have been charged with assault, sexual assault with a weapon, and gang sexual assault. Those new charges are related to an October 17th incident at Toronto's St. Michael's College School. Four of the kids arrested today were already facing charges in the first incident under investigation at the school. This means investigators have laid charges in three out of eight cases of alleged assault or sexual assault. No charges are being laid against the principal or coaching staff. Elon Musk unveiling his vision for the future of transportation. I mean, it would have been incredible if you could travel around L.A., New York, D.C., Chicago, Paris, London, anywhere at, at 150 miles an hour. That'd be ph phenomenal. That would be phenomenal. The mile-long test tunnel runs beneath the streets of Los Angeles. Electric vehicles fitted with an extra set of wheels would race through the passageway at speeds of more than 200 kilometers an hour. For now... It's just a pipe dream with a top speed at the unveiling barely breaking 80 kilometers an hour. But Musk hopes the loop system will one day solve traffic gridlock. An anonymous street artist striking in South Wales overnight. Banksy has confirmed on Instagram that he is responsible for a mysterious mural that appeared on two walls of a steelworker's garage. The art depicts a child playing in what looks like snow. But viewed from another angle, it appears the snow is falling ash from a dumpster fire. An apparent statement on the town's industrial past. In Health Matters tonight, patients waiting in line for a relatively affordable surgery that can greatly reduce the risk of serious health problems and even early death. Bariatric procedures are currently capped at only 400 per year in B.C. But as Linda Aylesworth reports, doctors who perform them say the cost of the disease is much more than the cure. To look at Sheila Vitaiki today, you'd have no idea of the struggles she's endured. In 2014, I was away with my children on a vacation and they staged an intervention with me and said, Mom, we're going to lose you if you don't do something about this. Sheila was obese, 305 pounds at the time of the intervention. She went on yet another diet. I leveled out at about 250 pounds and I just got locked in this despair spiral. It seems so hopeless. And dangerous. Obesity is a disease that can lead to a host of other diseases. I was diabetic. I had, I had sleep apnea, which I found out. I had high blood pressure. My cholesterol was increasing. She was referred to Dr. Sampath, head of bariatric surgery at Richmond Hospital, where she was put on a waiting list for a procedure, a sleeve gastrectomy, that would reduce the size of her stomach. But there was a problem. In our province, we are capped at 400 uh, surgeries per year. 
And if you look at other provinces in the country, uh, we're way behind. In 2011, a provincial study recommended the health ministry increase the number of procedures to as many as 2,000. But we've been stalled at 400 and our wait list continues to grow. 1,400 British Columbians are currently waiting for the procedure that saves far more than it costs in the long run. The cost of the surgery is roughly $13,000, but cost of treatment for diseases like diabetes is anywhere up to $10,000 a year just for medications alone. The cost of Sheila's medications were $15,000 a year, but since she got her surgery one year ago... She's had remarkable results. She's gotten rid of her most of her um, medical conditions, including her diabetes. 60 to 80 percent of those who have had bariatric surgery enjoy the same results. Today, Sheila weighs 170 pounds. Both she and Dr. Sampath wish more patients in this province could get the same opportunity. It's given me back not just my health, but my life and my sense of me and, and of being a woman. And it's completely changed me. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. What a transformation. Well, another privacy scandal now for Facebook. The social network denies it let its partner companies misuse personal data. But the company admits it allowed other tech giants to see users' private messages. Facebook says it only did so with users' permission. But does anyone remember giving it? Tonight, more and more people deciding Facebook is not their friend. Delete Facebook trending on Twitter. People fed up after the New York Times reported Facebook allowed 150 companies, including Microsoft, Amazon, and Netflix, access to users' personal data. Some partnerships gave companies the ability to read, write, and delete private messages without users' knowledge or consent. What's the driving force behind these partnerships? The driving force is growth at all costs. Growth at all costs and selling your privacy to make money. Today, Facebook admitted it gave partners like Spotify access to users' private messages if they signed on to the sites using their Facebook accounts, but denied they did it without user consent. Spotify says it never accessed private messages. Facebook under fire over privacy and access to users' data for years. Founder Mark Zuckerberg apologizing in The New Yorker in 2009 for college text messages calling people dumb who trusted him with their information. Just this year, Maya culpas to Congress for allowing a political consulting firm to get users' data without their permission. That was a big mistake. And it was my mistake. And I'm sorry. This time, sorry may not be enough. Ann Thompson, NBC News, New York. Canada is introducing dramatic new measures to save endangered killer whales off Vancouver Island, following an aggressive move by Washington State to do the same. The protected orca habitat zone is being increased by more than 4,000 square kilometers, and Kylie Stanton has reaction. Threatened by a dwindling food supply, ship interference, and contaminants in the water. Their numbers are now at the lowest levels in more than three decades, and no one wants to see them drop any further. Bold action is what these iconic mammals need to recover, and bold action is what our government is taking. Two areas off Vancouver Island have now been designated by Fisheries and Oceans Canada as protected for critical habitat for resident killer whales. From Swiftshire Bank at the entrance of the Juan de Fuca Strait, north to La Perouse Bank near Tofino, and at the western Dixon entrance north of Haida Gwaii. 
The already protected area of about 6,400 square kilometres now grows to more than 10,000. Any potential measures will be considered in consultation with First Nations, with local communities and with other stakeholders. It's what those with a vested interest in marine tourism, specifically sport fishing, have been fighting for. Thank you for joining us today. In early December, representatives from Island Chambers of Commerce held a press conference expressing their concerns over the federal government's plans and the impact its management measures could have on the economies of coastal communities. Businesses could close, jobs could be lost, tourism would stall. Now they say there's reason to be cautiously optimistic. I believe uh, uh, all the chambers, all the communities on the island uh, hearing the announcement today will have a, a, a little bit of a sense of relief and that, that we are being heard. We're hopeful and looking forward to uh, engaging with the minister and his staff in order to uh, um, create that balanced approach. For now, it's business as usual for those operating in the critical habitat areas. But there is an urgency to this issue. Consultation is expected to begin in the new year with measures in place in early spring. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. America's 10 wealthiest celebrities of 2018. And a big hint, George Lucas is one of them. Who else is on the list? We'll tell you right after the forecast. All right, right now, though, we'll check in with uh, Christy for a look at the forecast. Seemed like we had a real mild fall there for a while, and now <laughs> it's getting a little wild with the wind. That's right. Mother Nature pummeling us over the last uh, couple of weeks. But here we are, six days away from Christmas. Pretty exciting for the kids. And we officially change over to winter, everyone, on Friday. Yes, it is that time of year, but at least the days get longer after that, right? All right, let's check out this system. Yes, it is going to push in overnight, hitting our region through the morning hours. It is a very complex system, but not only is the system complex, but our coastal geography is very complex. And that's why nailing down the details of those winds timing strength is really tough ahead of the system we'll see strong southeasterly winds and in between these two fronts southwesterly and there's a chance we could see northwesterly but I don't think that that will happen but the timing of it is also really difficult so this one's showing that the low pressure center moves inland tomorrow morning but the Canadian models are showing that it lags behind another reason why the uncertainty is certainly there in this system you need to be tuning back in tomorrow morning to really get a glimpse as to what you can expect. But yes, it's this cold front we will also be watching throughout the day. If it swings across the, set, the lower mainland, that means a really uh, strong potential. We could see those uh, devastating uh, northwest winds. So we'll be watching for that. But at this point, it's not looking likely. Very likely some areas 60 kilometers an hour at times tomorrow. Potential for exposed areas to see it up to 80 kilometers an hour. And it will come in two waves, everyone. The first wave likely through the morning hours from the south generally. And then we'll see a lull in the action and then it will pick up again. Potentially through the afternoon hours with those southwesterly winds. So don't be surprised if we sort of see two bouts of this. Again, tune in tomorrow morning and share your weather. Tweet us, Mark Madriga, as well as myself, or email us at we, uh, weatherwindow at globaltv.com. We want to see what's going on outside uh, your window. Winter storm warning all across the south. Significant snow and reduced visibilities for the next 24 hours all across southern BC mountain passes. There is going to be snowfall across northern regions through the central interior and through the Columbia region, Kootenai area as well. It's just the Okanagan Valley that will be warm enough that it will be rain, wind and rain across the south coast tomorrow, but a nice little break for everyone as we head towards our Friday first day of winter.
to see some sun on that day at least. All right, thanks very much, Christy. Oh, if only. That's mm -hmm. the theme of our next story. <laughs> Forbes releasing its annual list of America's 10 wealthiest celebrities of 2018. Ninth and 10th place, a tie. Tiger Woods and author James Patterson, each with a net worth of $800 million. Number eight, rapper Diddy with a net worth of $825 million. Number seven, Magician David Copperfield at 875 mil. Fifth and sixth place, another tie. Newcomer Kylie Jenner on track to become the youngest self-made billionaire ever, and she joins Jay-Z with 900 million. Michael Jordan climbs up the ranking to number four at 1.7 billion, propelled by his sneaker fortune and majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets. Oprah taking third place with a net worth of $2.8 billion. And number two, Steven Spielberg with $3.7 billion. And America's richest celebrity, Star Wars creator George Lucas. Net worth of $5.4 billion, largely thanks to the fortune he collected when his company sold to Disney in 2012. We did. It was a spoiler in the tease. Well, we didn't say he bit. was number one, though. Well, that's true. But David Copperfield and... I'm surprised at David Copperfield. Is there that much money in North Vegas? And that Kardashian, Kylie, thank you, versus Kim. That Kardashian, yeah. Apparently her makeup is like, but how do you make 900 million with makeup? Find a lot of people who have issues. So, yes, you were mentioning the commercial. Oh, there was a commercial for... Elias Peterson, as we've been calling him, called him. He said, hi, I'm Elias Peterson. I think he likes to North Americanize his name. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, his name would be Pettersson if Ooh, we were wow. in Sweden. But Peterson, Very good. Elias is the one thing. But you can go with whatever you like. Elias Peterson, Elias Peterson, whatever you like. EP40, you go. Uh, and when he was ragdolled, Elias Peterson Peterson, in Miami, we all wondered... Where was the Canucks pushback? You cannot let your stars get taken down like that without showing the opposition that things like that won't be tolerated. Now, I know the days of the Canucks sending out Gino Ojic to scare people away from Pavel Bure are over. Those days are gone. But you still need to let the rest of the NHL know that your stars are not to be touched. So when Vancouver did show pushback last night against Tampa Bay, that was a very good sign. Could have been a one-goal game right there, and now... Now they're going after Martel. Bertanen and Gabranson are going after Martel. You know, we really haven't had a game like that. And, um, you know, we're starting to get a little bit out of hand. And, um, you know, I, I felt like that was good for our group to be in one of those games. And I enjoyed every minute of it. I know that. And I'm sure everyone else did too. Gabranson with an uppercut right into the pile. You know, that brings, that brings a group together. There was a lot of guys that you didn't really see. You're not expected to see a jump in that did last night, and that's, that's really good. You've probably already forgotten the score from the Canucks Lightning game, but you haven't forgotten all of this. Score settling of the fisticuffs kind. A throwback to old-time hockey where players dished out the punishment when the refs didn't. Now Goodbranson grabs hold from the other side. Well, I, I loved what I saw. <laughs> I don't mind the penalty minutes. Uh, I... I think it's good for our team to play in games like that. That That's a team trying to win a Stanley Cup. They have been there before. They know the intensity level that goes into it. It felt like it was a game where the temperature was turned up and the heat was on. And, and you learn a lot uh, when you play in games like that. 
It's the kind of pushback the Canucks didn't deliver earlier in the season back in Florida when Elias Pettersson was cheap-shotted. Different story against the Lightning where the Canucks sent a message when Troy Stetcher was first concussed. Then again later when Tampa Bay took a run at Pettersson, which really ignited things. And the Canucks' cavalry came on strong, very strong. It was a Wolfpack mentality last night. Uh, you know, one guy was uh, in there, all four, the other, other four were getting in there too. Uh, we were sticking up for each other, which was nice to see. I think it was great to see those guys do that. You know, Jake getting in there and um, Huddy and even, you know, best guys that, you know, it's not really part of their game, but they got each you know, their teammates' backs. And I think to, to see that as a young group uh, gives our group confidence. I mean, we're a tight knit group in here and, and and everybody's coming together as one, and that's where you need to have a successful team. It's team mentality. If anybody takes a run at you guys, I'm jumping in. Aw, thanks, Squire. Thanks, Squire. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, the World Junior Tournament officially starts on Boxing Day. Canada's first game against Denmark will be 5 o'clock at Rogers Arena. The Americans, who of course feature Canucks prospect Quinn Hughes, start their tournament against Slovakia at 3.30 in the afternoon at Savon Foods Memorial Centre in Victoria. But the U.S. will play an exhibition game at Langley Event Centre on Saturday, this Saturday at 7 o'clock against the Czech Republic. Tonight, Canada and the Swiss are playing a warm-up game in Victoria. For Canada, it will be and that is Canucks Michael prospect DiPietro Michael DiPietro starting in goal for Canada, although he gets scored on by uh, Philip Kurashev here, who's a Blackhawks draft pick. That made it 1-0 in the first for the Swiss. Then Canada comes on strong from there. Cody Glass. Vegas Golden Knights prospect goes backhand, scores. Owen Tippett, who right now has his rights owned by the Florida Panthers. He'll get one. Nice shot. 2-1 for Canada. And then Max Comtois, who is a Ducks draft pick. He and Cody Glass get together on this goal. But the Swiss are giving him a pretty good run. It is 4-3 after two. Coquitlam's Kevin Reynolds said at the start of this year that he would retire from figure skating before 2019, and he wasn't kidding. He announced his retirement today, saying that his body has told him it's had enough of skating. His career was impressive. Olympic silver medal from the team competition in 2014, a gold in singles at the Four Continents Championship. He was the guy who was all about the quad jumps. The 2013 Four Continents became the first man to land five of those in competition, two in the short program. He's a student at UBC right now, but he will stay in figure skating as a coach. There you go. Sad to see him go. Great talent. Sure. Yeah. All right. Great Thanks. hair, too. Great yeah. hair. Guy had great hair. Thanks, Squire. Here's today's snow report. Whistler Blackcomb base 208 centimeters, 107 at Grouse. Cypress a base of 135 and Sasquatch opening date to be announced. Revelstoke a base of 171 centimeters, Fernie 140 with 40 new. Manning Park 125 with 32 new and Whitewater base 172. Big White's base 122 centimeters, 130 Silver Star and 112 at Sun Peaks. Kicking Horse base of 142, 122 Mount Washington and Powder King 165. Look at that spectacular light display behind us. Enjoy it while it lasts. Well, we uh, we visited this uh, man, John Rabalkin, and his family a few years ago and talked about his light display. And then we found out that this might be the final year of it. Um, if you do go up to watch it and look at it, it's open until January 6, 530 to 11. But if you do go, please bring something for donations because uh, he has three different charities he supports. But let us learn one more time about this wonderful light display in North Vancouver. 
Shortly after the sun goes down in North Vancouver, the Christmas magic begins. It's all provided by John Rebalkin and his family, but it basically began because the old display he had wasn't cutting it for his kids. Well, 2009, my daughters challenged me to do a better job, and so Boxing Day 2009, I went out and spent six grand in one day and hid the visa bill from the wife. The preparation for this display starts around September because just unboxing everything requires almost as much time as setting it up and then putting it away isn't quick either. Hopefully by March, my, my birthday is March 24th, I hope to have it packed away by then. Since 2010, this house and the star that stands above it have been a beacon for people to soak up Christmas spirit. And this year we added 4,900 lights to it, so it has 11,000 lights on her now. It's, uh, it's a feature that everybody can see for miles away and, and they know where to find the house. Being good for Santa, how many more days to Christmas? Now, if you've never been to this house, you should go soon because this display will not be around next year. The family is taking a break. Some of the family's tired. They worked hard at this. But if I can get it going, my son still wants to do it. Maybe some other people will come in. With volunteers, we can get this operational in 2020. But as much as John won't miss all the work next year, he will still miss everything this brings. It's going to kick in next year when I, I don't have the kids that are two, three, four, five, laughing and enjoying things. I don't have the 102-year-old people that they have trouble getting out of the car, but they're going to make that extra trip up the driveway. This is a, a family affair. He'll do it again. Well, he says if he can get volunteers, if he can get people to help, He'll come back in 2020, but next year is definitely going dark, just for one year. Although he said the star oh, will always... next year definitely. Yeah, the star will always be there, though. Oh, oh that's cool. good. Yeah. All right, thanks very much for watching, folks. Have a great night. The North Star. <laughs> the North Shore Star.